Hello and welcome to 10 by 9, where nine people have up to 10 minutes each to tell a true story from their own life. I'm Paul Dorn and this is the 10 by 9 podcast. What a week it's been, 10 by 9 teamed up with the Belfast Photo Festival as we do each year for stories and pictures on the theme journey. And it was in the black box on Wednesday, June 28th. And there are three stories from that evening on this podcast. All the horse owners give off enough and the stewards give in. They seem Dennis as dirty, stubborn, diseased, a stigma I've met with the donkeys throughout my life. Oh no, she said, what are you two young girls doing on a bus full of us wrinklies? Yeah, we had like actually booked ourselves on um, what we called a biddy bus holiday. <laughs> And the best example I can give of this was her idea to move herself and her youngest daughters from the comfort of the streets of London to the streets of North Belfast, looking for a quieter life. So, prepare to hear about the healing powers of donkeys, the titanic fan who followed her dream, and we meet Granny Mary, who helped launch the career of a self-styled political nerd. Okay, let's get started, and all three stories have a pic to go with them, which I'll put on social media for you. There is a little sound distortion on some parts. I think the mic was a bit hot, but it shouldn't spoil your enjoyment. So, let's start. And I'll let our speaker introduce himself. So, my name's Robert Wallace. I'm 26, and I received my first donkey at a year old. It was my birthday present. Her name was Muffin. And uh, we kept her at my parents' dairy farm where I was raised in Balnehinch. When my parents had to sell up the cattle, I was around five, and I started to fill the space with donkeys. I now have 25 of them, and they have provided me with a full-time job. When I was six, I was given a pony, Nicky. He was the devil incarnate. I spent more time thrown from the saddle and on the ground than I did in the saddle. Although, along with Nicky came Dennis, Dennis the donkey. And... uh, After one fall too many, I began working with Dennis to ride and carriage drive. We still work together 21 years later. Dennis and I at age seven entered the farm cart class at Balmoral Show, but were denied entry to the class as he was a donkey. All the horse owners give off enough and the stewards give in. They seem Dennis as dirty, stubborn, diseased, and simply lesser than their expensive horses. A stigma I've met with the donkeys throughout my life. Only now am I making a change to how they're perceived, but we'll get to that in a bit. Now, as I was able to, I'm still able to show Dennis, thanks to my mother, like a terrier with a squeaky toy, she fought to allow Dennis and I into the main arena following the horse parade. The crowd absolutely loved us, and due to that, we were asked to return the following year with more donkeys to create a display. With that success, I was invited to many wonderful events with Dennis. We took the Minister of Agriculture around Storm and Buildings. We were there for the final launch of the QE2 at Titanic Harbour. Dennis and I were on Blue Peter. He has his own Blue Peter badge. And uh, we were on Country File before we were 10. Uh, Whenever we were 11, we were on stage in the National Concert Hall in Dublin for an opera during Carmen the Opera. So Dennis and I were dressed up as Little Market Boy and his donkey selling oranges and lemons. All the, uh, all the singers and uh, performers were foreign. They were Eastern European and had very little English. Um, so whenever I went backstage to go and get some autographs, um, all they did was pet my head and go, nice boy, nice boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dennis is the reason I'm here today. He's the reason I'm speaking to you and the reason I'm speaking at all. 
So Dennis has always been there throughout my school career, ups and downs, passes and failures. Each summer we entered shows, won and lost. At some point we began visiting nursing homes to bring joy to the residents. At this stage I had around 17 donkeys, the majority related to my first one muffin. I began my undergraduate degree in 2017. I was doing equine management with a drop of business and I moved to Fermanagh for this. It was as far as I could travel as I still had my animals to care for and my job as a receptionist in the Sleeve Donard Hotel. So I drove down on a Monday morning and returned on a Thursday night. Within my first semester I moved out of the halls and into a private flat just so I could have my dog with me. I hated being around so many people and not enough animals. I managed to finish my first year with just a little bit of turbulence. But not long starting into my second year my grandfather died and this brought my world crashing around me. I couldn't concentrate on my work, I couldn't think clearly, and I also couldn't tell anyone I was struggling. I invited my professors, my girlfriend, my family, and my friends. I was so used to being the happy person and didn't want to burden anybody. I felt I didn't deserve to go to class. I didn't deserve to have anything. I found comfort with my donkeys and pets, and I deferred my second year for two years. Lockdown had closed down tourism, and thus my job in the hotel. Unlike computers, I can't just switch the donkeys off and come back to them when I want. They just kept eating. Without a job, I was struggling to pay to feed them. I had 25 very large tooth mouths to feed, and at this point, I started clearing the farmyard of my dad's junk and scrap. He's a bit of a hoarder. It took my brother and I a solid three weeks of clearing, burning, trips to the dump, power washing and scraping only one section of the yard. We didn't dare even start in the sheds. With a clearish yard, I wondered would people maybe come to see the donkeys for a small fee. During quarantine, I had the donkeys in a field by the roadside and we noted loads of pedestrians coming in from the town to see them. He feed them a carrot and even chat to us with a two metre distance about the donkeys. I had a Facebook page and spent time photographing and posting wee videos about the donkeys, their personalities, and even began a weekly storytelling um, section with me and a donkey reading a children's storybook like um, The Wonky Donkey. And people absolutely loved it. It gave people a laugh and it kept kids engaged. It dawned on me how lucky I was to have the space, the routine, and I had the donkeys to talk to, someone that wasn't telling me I'm meeting up for a quiz on Zoom with my aunts in half an hour. So I, I set up a website and I took my first booking on Monday the 3rd of August 2020. A lovely lady and her husband travelled us in Balnehinch from Donica Day. I met her several times since. I didn't even know what I was offering. I, you could pet the donkeys, brush them, take them on a walk, take them over an obstacle course, go for a carriage drive for just £5 a person. I couldn't believe someone would even pay that for what I got to do every day. A month later, I battled my way through my second year of college. Fortunately for me, the pandemic made my course available online, where other people hated Zoom meetings and online chats. I thrived. I was able to learn without having to look at anyone in the eye. This may not have been the most healthy way to see it, but i seen it as better. It allowed me more time with the donkeys. I often took my laptop up to the barn, lay in the straw like this, while a lecture rattled away about something important. I, I think they've got the same degree I have. Um, <laughs> I fumbled with my business, and I used that term really loosely for the next year, splitting the treks and petting, feeding bookings, as I learned I was offering far too much per booking for the amount I was charging. There are no places that offer what I did with Donkey, so I had nothing to base this on. I somehow kept it going throughout my final two years at college during a pandemic, leading to a graduation in June 22. Of course, I asked if the Donkeys could join for my graduation. Sadly, the college declined, but they did send me my graduation gown home so I could get photos with them. Um, my dissertation and many of my assignments were about donkeys because it was an equine degree but nearly 90% of the class all studied horses. They wanted to learn more about horses and donkeys I just seen as they're overlooked. So 
I see my graduation as much his win, their win, as it was mine. Uh, so I had graduated, I had this baby business idea, and the question was, was it viable after the pandemic? I wasn't sure, but I thought, why not? So I started working hard on social media, posting and proposing ideas, gathering followers and subsequent visitors to the farm. It seemed this was possible, the junkies were starting to become self-financing. I felt like I was their unpaid intern, uh, organizing their schedules, their meals, medical appointments, pedicures, socials, but I absolutely loved it. I was still working in a garage in town to pay for me, but I had a goal to make this my career. We had our big break with a child psychologist, Claire, contacted me about doing some therapy work in a local primary school in Drummondness. She scheduled a meeting with a social worker and a mental health nurse, and together we brainstormed a six-week project working with kids affected by the pandemic to help regulate emotions and promote self-care through the medium of the donkey. I received a lump sum of money from the NHS, uh, as, as Claire had chastised me on my original quote, saying I wasn't charging what I was worth, that my donkeys were exceptionally well handled, quiet, calm and perfect for the job, and that I needed to recognise the work I put into it. That was spring 2022. A year later, Kindale Donkeys is now my full-time job. I have... <laughs> I now have contracts with the NHS, various health and social care trusts, the Education Authority, and with CAMS. I provide therapeutic visits and interventions for all ages, from primary school kids, foster kids, teenagers with parental health, and adults struggling with dementia. Dennis has appeared in a couple of short films since then. He was a talking donkey in his most recent one, voiced by Ardlo Hanlon. <laughs> and uh, he, as I said, he was on Blue Peter, has a Blue Peter badge, but he has been to four weddings, and he's even towed a coffin at a funeral. It was uh, a lovely lady, she was married to a rich ambassador from overseas and she was from a very poor background from Ireland and then she moved all over the world, was making lots and lots of money and was just having a real high life but she wanted to go how she started humbly and so she asked for a donkey. Dennis is now semi-retired, um, he acts as a tutor for the younger donkeys, uh, they're like his apprentices. So when visiting care homes, he teaches them how to navigate, going from carpet to tile floor to lino to going up in elevators to what his favourite show at the moment, I think, is Neighbours, generally whatever's on about 2 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon in the homes. Um, but he also has an important role this year. He is ring bearer at my wedding this August. <laughs> Uh, of which the reception is being held at the farm in the donkey's barn. Uh, my donkeys saved me, and now they help others. And they don't know it. <laughs> they just see it as a fun day out, getting dooted on and fed. They don't see the positive impact that they have on everyone. <sighs> this year, the donkeys won a Chairman's Award for the Southeastern Trust, their original project in that school in Drummondness. I was in tears, I'm in tears now, when I see my donkeys, my babies, some of whom are the great-great-grandchildren of that first donkey I got when I was a year, to be respected by professionals in the medical field and getting the recognition I know they deserve. My journey isn't over, it's barely begun, or at least a new chapter is being written. I'm working on the tourism side of things now, reaching out to everyone to come and appreciate where I grew up and how the donkeys have shaped me and fall back in love with this world and all within it. Thank you.
Thanks so much for that, Robert. Be sure to send us a wedding pic of the ring bearers, please. And that was the first story of the evening, and it earned Robert a standing ovation. And if, like Robert, you have a story to tell, or even just a germ of an idea for a story, then get in touch at 10by9.com, and I'll do my best to help you bring it to fruition. Okay, let's get to our second storyteller. All the way from Wales, here's Steffi Jones. This is my story of a life-changing journey I made in 2013, including a Chinese dragon, some really posh biscuits, and an unreasonably entertaining straw hat. Clearly by my accent, I was not born in Northern Ireland. I grew up in the Rhondda Valleys in South Wales, in one of those really small villages with sheep wandering around on the roundabouts, where everyone knows everyone's business. You know the sort of place where you can't even fart and there's curtains twitching to see what's going on? Yeah, somewhere like that. No train stations, not even a Tesco, completely doomed. But like, I knew there was a big world out there beyond Ferndale and I was gonna go and look for it. So in the summer of 2013, a brochure came around the doors for Edward's coaches' holiday trips. One of which was a five-day trip around Northern Ireland, including uh, excursions to Giant's Causeway and Titanic Belfast. This would probably be a good place to mention that I have always had a massive obsession with Titanic. Ever since our school did like a big project of it in 1998, when the film came out, don't know what it was, it's just the story got to me completely obsessed. So my best friend Claire was also a big Titanic. That's the official term, by the way. For people obsessed with Titanic, you're a Titanic. And um, I asked her, does she want to come with me? She was like, yeah, of course. So she agreed. We got on the big coach in Cardiff, and straight away, we were met with a big chorus of groans from the rest of the bus. We even got like an actual, oh no, from this old lady in the front seat. I was like, what's the matter? She, she said, Oh, no, she said, what are you two young girls doing on a bus full of us wrinklies? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's fine. So I looked past her and I realized, yeah, we had like, actually booked ourselves on um, what we called a biddy bus holiday. <laughs> now, like, no harm, like, biddies is a, actually a very affectionate term for elderly people in the valleys. And she'd used the word wrinklies, not me, so I can't be pulled up on that one. But... Um, we made it to Fishguard all together on our rolling retirement home. Sorry, travel coach. <laughs> um, so that took us across to Rossley. My first and last sailing experience. I'd been on a really strict diet before this holiday because I was a bit chunkier back then and I wanted to enjoy wearing some summer dresses. So that meant weeks and weeks of hummus and cucumber sandwiches and leaping about the living room to this Davina McCall workout DVD. It was as horrendous as it sounds. Terrible, but it worked. It did. I managed to lose a little bit of weight that I was comfortable with and I was going to enjoy eating on the holiday. So I decided to treat myself to a big pizza on the ferry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I absolutely annihilated the pizza because, you know, after weeks of Davina and hummus hell, like I was hungry. But uh, yeah, you know what happens next. The entire pizza got sent overboard after I ran up on the deck with a face the color of cucumber and I haven't gone on a boat since. I felt much better stood out on the deck looking out at the sea and we got to Bray for an overnight stay in between. 
And that was a bit of a relief because it felt like I'd been on traveling on that bus longer than it would take to rewind the VHS tape of Titanic. <laughs> There's, uh, there was a mix-up in the hotel without block booking, and of course it was our room that was the problem. So I was expecting us to get shoved in one of them reject rooms, like the most haunted ones with like a busted hairdryer and a view of a brick wall. But... In complete contrast to my usual luck, we had been bumped up to a business class suite for the inconvenience. Right? A double bed each, and that's the very, very fancy shortbread biscuits left for us on the dressing table. Do you know, for two girls from the valleys, we felt like a right pair of VIPs in that room. We finally made it into Northern Ireland by late evening. Then after morning breakfast, we're back on the bus for a city sightseeing tour, and by this time, each of the lovely wrinklies has earned a secret nickname from us, including Bonnet Lady, who wore a different cheerful shade of yellow every morning with a straw hat and a ribbon. So every time Bonnet Lady got on the bus, she'd, <laughs> she'd shove the hat into one of those overhead storage sections on the bus. But uh, every time the bus took a sharp corner or a roundabout, <laughs> the bonnet would inch like slightly closer to the edge of the shelf and then jerk back when we turned back. We watched that hat for hours. It was so entertaining. We were just waiting for that one glorious moment that it would fall out. Oh, we were really bored, yeah. And then um, we also gave the name Mr. Ferndale to another old man because you can't go bloody anywhere these days without seeing someone from two streets up the road, can you? And then um, after that city tour, we were finally on our way up to Titanic Belfast. I thought I knew everything about Titanic, but after walking through that incredible exhibition and seeing the full story in a completely new way, I realized I knew hardly anything at all. I must have cried through it about four times, and yet I 100% bought a Heart of the Ocean replica necklace in the shop. I had to, yes. <laughs> we got back to the hotel for an evening meal, and we enthusiastically, enthusiastically chatted away to our bus gang about how amazing the exhibition had been. We were actually saying, like, how amazing would it be to work in a building like that, go to a university like Queen's? And they were like, oh, yeah, like, as if. It doesn't happen to people from the Ronda. <laughs> at that time, um, like, nobody really left Ferndale at all. So for us to even be on a bus to the city, to even talk about moving to it, it was like, that is not going to happen. Save that for the ending. <laughs> We got back for our evening meal, and then they, they were asking us what was our plans for the rest of the evening. Now, none of us were really big drinkers at the time. But we thought, Do you know, like, we were away in Belfast. We fancied a night out in Belfast City for some pints, potentially find some nice local gentlemen. We were just going to go. Somehow, I accidentally invited the rest of the bus to join us. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but... Yeah, the vibe like drastically changed of that night out very quickly. They were all like really excited about the Crown Liquor Saloon. So we thought, ah, we'll start there. We'll all go there and maybe we can like disperse. So we all went to the Crown Liquor Saloon and I ordered a Guinness. And as a complete tourist, I got really excited that they serve it with the foam in the shape of a shamrock on top. I thought that was class. Um, I thought the saloon looked awesome and the authentic no electricity thing was really cool, but like there wasn't any music and we were looking for a bit of a dance. We ordered some ciders and we tried to find the bus gang's conversations interesting, but like the night was rapidly falling flatter than a warm beer. Like Then out of nowhere I heard, girls, 
So I spun round. There's Mr. Ferndale, the old man from two streets away, wearing the most in-your-face shirt I'd ever seen in my life, with like a massive badass Chinese dragon breathing fire all over it. He was wearing it like it's the one night of the year his wife would allow him to put it on. I was like, how was that packed in the same suitcase as those comfortable beige bus slacks, please? <laughs> Come with me, girls, he said. I've been down there and I found, a, I found a pub that you love. He said, there's a fellow with a guitar. He actually did that. He was like, there's a fellow with a guitar and everything. So we're like, all right, we'll try it. So we chugged the ciders, falling down to Brennan's bar, just on the corner there. And um, there was indeed a fellow with a guitar. And we actually had a, such a great night there. I gotta be honest, I didn't expect my first pints out in Belfast to be with an old man from Albany Street in a Chinese dragon shirt. <laughs> but that night was enough to give me a small taste of what life in Belfast City could be. The trip did honestly change my life in so many ways because I went back to the valleys then afterwards, <laughs> actually feeling like I'd left a part of myself behind in Belfast. In 2016 then, after three years of thinking about nothing but Belfast, I applied to study in Queen's University, got in, made the big move. Yes! <laughs> and then I applied to work in Titanic Belfast, got the job, selling these things every day now. <laughs> and I met the best bunch of mates that anyone could even want, even though they have completely corrupted me and introduced me to the true meaning of pints out in Belfast now. <laughs> but um, no, I've never felt more at home than I do here. Absolutely love it. No plans of ever moving back to that boring sheep town of no life at all. But I still love popping home, seeing my friends and family there. I do enjoy it, but like a couple of days is plenty. Bored as hell, ready to come back to Belfast. And oh, one last thing, because I know you're dying to know, yes, Bonnet Lady's hat did actually fall out <laughs> of the story show, just as we were pulling in the Cardiff, and like that was the best moment of that whole journey. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Steffi, the Rhonda's loss was 10 by 9's gain. Thanks so much. Please come again with more stories. Okay, so here's the Big and Bold segment. You can always jump forward 30 seconds. 10 by 9 is always free and always will be. It's important to us that it should be open to all, but also that storytellers shouldn't feel pressure for their stories to reach a commercial level. There's enough pressure as it is. But you can support us at Patreon or make a one-off donation via PayPal. Details are at the website at is10by9.com. We are very grateful to everyone who has helped support us. Thank you. But we also want you to just sit back, relax, and enjoy. On to our third story now, and here's local political pundit, but 10 by 9 first-timer, David McCann. I'm the little fella in this picture, taken in the summer of 1997. Rocking the blue bow tie, as you can see, as I continue my journey through Catholic education at my first Holy Communion. And whilst there's been a world of change since those heady days in 1997, where new labour has just come to power, and we are picking up pace towards what would eventually become known as the Good Friday Agreement. I'm pleased to say that my hairstyle has remained the same. <laughs> no matter the government of the day or whatever peace agreement is falling apart locally, this hairstyle has been a rock of stability in a sea of political chaos. But why this picture means so much to me is not about the world going on around me. It's the lady standing behind me, my granny. This picture is the best that I can find that really brings home to me my journey 
and the people who guided me on it. Now, for those of you who do not know me, I'm a self-confessed political nerd. I love a good election, and I really have to say, with 11 elections in the past nine years, Northern Ireland really has been this nerd's dream. I really have to be honest. I love learning about the world around me, and this passion for politics came in many ways from my granny. Her name was Mary Ann Fitzpatrick. She was born in 1926 in a town called Lockin Island in South Down. She moved to London, where she had five, count them, five daughters. God help my poor grandfather in that house. She was a mild-mannered lady who believed you should never draw attention to yourself. And I speak knowing that she is up there somewhere absolutely mortified that I'm doing this. Sorry, Granny. Now, my Granny had many great attributes. She had a great sense of humor, a love of current affairs, and most importantly, a big heart. But God love her, timing was never her strong suit. And the best example I can give of this was her idea to move herself and her youngest daughters from the comfort of the streets of London to the streets of North Belfast, looking for a quieter life. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the year she chose to do this was 1968. <laughs> and you don't need to be a history buff to know what happens next. Now, I'm not saying that my granny moving here with my mum caused the troubles. But the idea of my ma running around the nicest parts of North Belfast with a broad English accent has to rank as one of the worst paper rounds in the history of Northern Ireland. By the time I rocked up in 1988, all of her children were growing up. My grandfather had died very suddenly of a blood clot in 1971, and my granny had to navigate the chaos of Northern Ireland largely by herself. She poured her energy into her grandchildren, none more so than me. I'm the baby of the grandchildren. Every day, she would pick me up from school. She would give me, she would embarrass me in front of my friends by pulling up my trousers and fixing my uniform and giving off at me in front of everyone. She would take me home to do my homework with me and just always encourage me to know that there was only ever one of me in the world. My school was used as a polling station on election days. And this was really exciting because not only did I get the day off school, but my granny would take me to go and vote with her. On the short dander around from the house to the polling station, Holding my hand, she would tell me about the men, they nearly all were men back then, on the posters and what they stood for. Back then, the police or army would be based outside polling stations, which made the simple act of voting feel a bit more brave and exciting. I have to say, this feeling of excitement about voting is something that still sticks with me to this day. Now, no politician could encourage hope in my granny like John Hume. He could walk on water to my grandmother. Nobody on this planet could get her to swear more than Ian Paisley. <laughs> My political education started on these walks and continued through sitting watching the news, reading papers with her, and of course, watching election results. Little did she know it at the time, but these small acts were igniting a fire of interest and were setting me on a journey. Her taking the simple time to explain this crazy place in which I was growing up, and more importantly, why it was necessary to believe it could change, inspired me to get involved in the world of politics. She didn't need to stand on a podium, take part in a riot, or run for public office. Just by her quiet example, she helped me see what politics could do to change this place. Now, if you think that setting me on this path wasn't enough, she actually took me a little bit further down the road. Not only did she point me in the right direction, she also made sure that I knew that I could play whatever role I wanted in it. Her unlimited confidence in me and my ability is something that I still keep with me. She took a young lad who struggled to string a sentence together and made him believe in himself. I'll tell you more about him later. <laughs> Quite often, I hear the term that when it comes to raising a child, that it is a team effort. And when it comes to my experience, it certainly was. And with the big team I had around me, this was the head coach. 
always telling me that I could do it. And the best part of the story is, on this journey, I've gotten to do so much. I've gotten to analyze election results. I get to write about politics. I honestly have been able to do it all. The comedian Conan O'Brien once said that if you can do what you love with people you love, that it's truly heaven on earth. And over the past few years, I've been able to do what I love. And the person who would have been the least surprised that I managed to do it would have been her. And it all started with the love and the interest of a grandparent. You see, unlike your parents, a grandparent really isn't required to take any interest. And who can blame them? They've been around the block already. So when they do take such an interest, it really is all the more meaningful. In short, a grandparent can make all the difference. Mine certainly did for me. So here's to all you grannies and granddads out there who for no money and none of the glory have gone for one more crazy ride around the block of raising kids. And as Jeb Bartlett once said in the West Wing, there's no damn holiday for you either. <laughs> in a year where we have reflected on the political leaders who've made a real difference in our collective journey, I just want to take a couple of minutes and reflect on someone who made a real difference to me. And I know for all of you in the audience, you too will have someone like that for you. So I end where it all started. I've grown out of the bow ties, but I'm still desperately holding on to the belief that a Lego hairstyle will one day come back into fashion and people will follow me. And why? Because my granny told me it would. Folks, this is my journey so far, and thank you so much, granny, for setting me on it. Thanks so much, David. Granny Mary was indeed an inspiration. And that is pretty much it for this podcast. Check out all the 10x9 upcoming dates on our website, which includes some special events over the summer. And keep in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Maybe think about giving the podcast a review or rating at a podcast app. It's very helpful if you can. And tell as many people as you can about 10x9 and the 10x9 podcast. Thanks to everyone who made this week's 10x9 happen. Margaret McClory, Leanne McConville, and Chris O'Donoghue, who I'd be lost without. The wonderful people at the Black Box, our home venue, the incredible and generous audience, and of course, all our storytellers. But especially, Robert Wallace, Steffi Jones, and David McCann. I'm Paul Dorn, and I'll be back with another podcast soon. But for now, bye-bye.